I trust you had a marvelous weekend. Hi there, and welcome to the program. Glad you're ready to spend some quality time with us here in God's Word on this edition of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Today we're looking at Numbers chapter 14 as we get a glimpse of Moses and what made him the great man of God we know him to have been. What it came down to for most is the same thing it comes down to for us. Will we live in faith or fear? For the details, here's Pastor Jesse. Numbers chapter 14. The title of our message today is Arise, Move, and Go, with a subtitle that I think is worth developing, Faith or Fear. Faith or Fear. Certainly our account has granted us that type of consideration, faith or fear. Along with that, 40 days or 40 years. Which one do you want? Faith will give you 40 days. Fear will give you 40 years. That is what we will come to. This is not mere soliloquy or just kind of uh, rhetorical speech. This is a discipline principle that comes up out of the word of God. David said it like this in Psalm 86, verse 17. And David was one who understood trials and temptations, did he not? David is one of the great grandsons of the children of Israel that have come up out of the wilderness and are on the brink of the promised land. We know the account before us is tragic. The lessons are many. We will only apprehend a few today in order for us to understand how they apply to us. But certainly David said something, and we picked this up about seven years ago in our prayer service because prayer is really the way to make sure that in the midst of your trial, that it doesn't turn into a temptation and cause you to have to endure much longer than you would have if you would have understood the trial. We've talked about this before. You know that trials lead you to God. Temptations take you away. The trial will come and it will challenge you as to whether or not you do the right thing under that trial And should you do the right thing, that trial will only last as long as is necessary for you to affirm what God is up to in your life. When you miss that period because you fall prey to temptation, it will prolong way, way longer than you ever imagined. Now, some of you know what I mean. This is something you and I want to grasp. Lord, why is it taking so long for me to get it? It's taking me long to get it because I'm not responding correctly to it. I'm either operating out of fear. I'm operating out of sight. I'm getting trapped by assumptions. I'm I'm bound by uh, faulty assertions or misconceptions. We've seen all that over the last couple of weeks, have we not? And the children of Israel should actually right now be enjoying entering into their new home that God has already told them that he has for them. But they're about to be evicted from the very home God has led them to because they are not understanding how to handle a trial when it comes. And this is what David says in Psalm 86, 17. And you can adopt this child of God because David knew something about weakness. He knew something about humility. He knew something about pride. He knew something about presumption, didn't he? It was David who said in Psalm, Lord, deliver me, Psalm 19, Lord, deliver me from presumptuous sins. 
Deliver me from presumptuous sins. And, and, and what David knew was presumption lies in the bosom of all of our hearts. And it will emerge when you and I don't handle the trial that's coming into our life appropriately. And we'll fall back on certain assumptions that are not tested and we'll find ourselves delaying the benefits of that test. This is what's happening with Israel. We're going to divide this into obviously three categories and look at them. But here's what David says. This is going to be Psalm 86, 17, please. Psalm 86, 17. This is what David says in Psalm 86, 17. This is a promise that God will grant any of us if we request it. Lord, show me a token for good. Show me a token for good in order that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because Lord, you have helped me and comforted me. Now, David is requesting that God do something for him, but more than for David, for David's enemies. Now, if you can see how this works in a sort of contextual way, David is in a situation. David needs God. God comes through. But David is very much aware that David has enemies and also God has those same enemies. What David is asking God to do for him is to show him a token for good so that his enemies see how that God is taking care of David in the midst of his troubles. Now, this will help you actually navigate when you are way too conscious of other people around you and you need God to insulate you from them when he's not going to isolate you from them. Did that make some sense? So you're asking God to show you a token and let those who are your adversaries see that token of God's favor in your life. Okay? And, and, and this is really what should have happened in our event. In our event, God had called Israel to actually go and search out the land and to see what it is, to make sure that they saw what God saw, because God had saw it a long time ago and told them, you're coming to a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be a good land. It's going to be a prosperous land. It's going to be a land filled with blessings and you'll be ready to go into it, possess it and enjoy it the moment you're called to go there. But we discovered that Israel saw something else, did they not? And we want to actually look at that. That's why we're dealing with a title that is so germane to you and me. Arise, move and go. When God is telling you to do something, he doesn't mean for you to sit around and wait for him to explain everything. That's one. Secondly, when God calls you and I to move and go, it is always a call to move and go in faith. You have to move and go in faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And also without faith, the only thing that you're going to have is a cultivation of your fear and anxiety. When you look at the hill, you got to climb to get to the destiny that God is calling you to. Did that make some sense? When you're climbing that hill, a purpose getting to the destiny God is calling you to, God knows you're going to see some really harrowing things, some challenging things. Intrinsically, you got problems and you live in a world full of problems, do you not? But the way the people of God negotiate this world is by faith. It does not mean we don't see the enemy. It does not mean we don't see adversaries. It does not mean we don't feel some kind of way about it. It does mean that when I'm operating out of faith, it will cancel, it will mitigate, it will subdue all of the irrational, emotional sort of uh, projections that will emerge from me when I'm too fixed on my adversaries or too fixed on my problems. 
faith will mitigate that and allow you to do what we're asking to show you what is important to let you know that God is with you in that journey. And this is where we left off last time under point number three, which is going to be point number one in your outlines, the tokens of what? The tokens of victory. If you recall what God said in Numbers 13, verse 20, look at it with me. Numbers 13, 20. This is what God had stated to Israel. When you go in the land, here's what I want you to do. I want you to describe perfectly what that land is. We'll get back there in a moment. But I need you to bring back for the people that are not going to go into the land with you. Remember, I told you this was the first major media news service outlet in the Old Testament. Twelve men that are going to go into the land, acquire a testimony and then bring the testimony back to the people. That means that the common people who stayed in the wilderness are totally beholden to whatever these 12 men say. They will not know anything of a truth about what's going on in the promised land, but that which they are told. Didn't we talk about that last week? And what I share with you there, which I share with you who are visitors today, you and I operate out of three categories of knowledge. We operate either out of revelation, that is God telling us what it is, and we really need that because we don't know nothing without God. The scientists will tell you that they know nothing except that God reveals it to them. All of the mechanisms and all of the smallest microbial elements in our universe are not known unless God gives us a framework to understand them. Does that make some sense? So then we begin to play with all of these manifestations and all of these, uh, again, mechanisms by which our world functions. But we have to admit we can't know unless God helps us to understand origin and design. And this is why your wisest scientists are always men of some kind of faith. They know that you can't create something out of nothing. That's the most absurd logic on the planet. But now if there's a God who speaks things into existence by divine fiat, we can start on a good premise. And this is why I've said to a lot of people, you're not taking your Bible serious. Because if you take your Bible serious, if you can get past Genesis 1-1, the rest of the Bible is easy. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you can get past that, the rest of it is easy. I promise you. And so what we're dealing with here is what we call a tertiary knowledge. Because the children of Israel are not hearing God explain to them what's in the wilderness. They're waiting for the testimony to come back. The second level testimony is what we call experiential testimony. It's when you go out and navigate, excavate, you do the archaeological research, you dig it out of the ground, you analyze it, you write about it, you put it in books, and then you teach others through what you have acquired through experience. Am I making some sense? Those who get it in a testimonial form, in the book form, which most of us get when we go to school for academics. This is why academic school is somewhat a faulty system because all it can give you is testimonial knowledge. Am I making some sense? This is why when God had the first human beings on the earth, he didn't name them the Institute of such and such, the Academy of such and such. They were a mama and a daddy. 
because a mama and a daddy should have a relationship with God where revelation is given to them, of which when they experience that revelation, they pass it on to the children as a testimony and they get the testimony from experience rooted in revelation that allows the child to grow up in a tradition by which they can get a hold to the God that created it and not go astray like so many of our children are today who are not raised up in homes where the word of God is taught. Am I making some sense? Many of us know about how far we went astray when we went to college. Now, mom and daddy told you, don't lose your mind when you go to college, because most of those teachers did. When you get your PhD, it really means you didn't went crazy. It really does, because now you arrogantly assume you know more than God. And now you become right, actually antithetical to God in your assertion of knowing something. And then you pass that false testimony on to the children and you create generations of human beings who are godless, whose whole hope is in materialism. We call that an existentialist. This is a materialist existentialist. All they know is what they think they know, and they don't even know that. Now listen carefully to me so I can, I can carve this up. What we're dealing with, with the children of Israel, and this is why I feel so bad for the children in this account. Because the children in this account are going to be the first generation that suffers the way our children are suffering today. A bad testimony. A flawed testimony. A wrong testimony. Did you get what I just stated? This is why I'm so ambivalent about our education system today. I'm so ambivalent about it. I'm so ambivalent because I do know that all education should be rooted in a faithfulness to God so that it can stay on course in whatever discipline it is. And and now we got to send our kids there and then we got to pay godless amounts of money for them to go there. Right. So y'all work that out because the world's not going to get any better until we get educators that are willing to tell the truth about everything that can be known. And it's going to start with knowing God. So what we got in our account is a group of people, 10 out of 12 men. This is your CNN News. This is your Fox News. This is your CBS News. It's every institution. It's NPR. It's all of that coming with you swearing they know the truth. And if you submit to them as if it's the gospel, you're going to swallow up the testimony. And if you don't go behind them and do the research, you won't ever know. There are all kinds of people that will tell you what they know because they were raised up under CNN, NBC, NPR news, and they swear that's the gospel. Now, what they should be saying is they told me that. I don't know if it's really true. But that's what they told me. You might as well be honest about it. Because listen, these kids that are 20 years and younger are going to have to hang out another 40 years until their parents die because their parents weren't willing to tell them the truth. Y'all get what I'm saying? This is what, I, this is what had me reeling all week this week. I'm like, man, these kids got to hang out 40 years. Here they come to a brand new home. And I know if I was 19, 18, 19, and God showed up when I was in the, uh, in the arduous sort of uh, tyranny of, of Pharaoh's home, my parents are working hard every day without straw building brick. they tired when they get home. Didn't there's a contract of genocide out on the boys? And we had to deal with that for several generations under the Pharaoh that did not know Moses. I know if I was a young man and then God showed up and delivered my family out of Egypt, 
and put me in the wilderness on a trajectory to a new home, I'd be very happy to be out of Egypt. Now, I may not know what the new home is like, but what I do know is I know what the old home is like, and the old home is not cool. Also, my parents are leading me, so I'm going to trust them implicitly until we get to the home. And this is what's going on right now in our account, where the kids, can you imagine that? The kids are sitting here listening to a conversation of grown adults, grown, and they heard this story like about 10 times. Isn't that what God says? You have tried me 10 times. So the kids have heard this since coming out of Egypt 10 times, what we read over in the opening verses. Again, look at chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. Notice what it says. And the children of Israel did what? Murmured again. There you go. Didn't the children hear it? The, the children heard it. They happy to be out of Egypt. They walking through the wilderness learning all kind of new stuff, aren't they? They're ready to go to a new home. Can't wait till we get there. Can't, and here go mom and daddy and them complaining one more time. And God said 10 times, which means, you know what? God counts our complaining. The number 10 is the number of completion, by the way. And this is why they're going to die in the wilderness. 10 times have they complained against what I was doing. Now notice what it says. They murmured against Moses, against Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Isn't that that ridiculous? Listen, and would God had, uh, we would have died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died where? Which means they have raised another level of suspicion against God because they're believing that the home they're coming to is the home worse than the home they came from. They're actually saying the wilderness is better than their home. That's insane, isn't it? You see how, as we learned week before last, your misconception can create a great deception in your own mind. It's important for you to get it. All right. Having helped you see the precariousness of the children, let's begin to work through something I really wanted to more fully capture last week. And that is the concept of the token. The concept of the token. Now, here's what I know God is doing. He's trying every one of us as to whether or not you and I will think like God thinks. He's trying every one of us whether or not you and I will have the kind of category in our process of evaluation and valuing things to pick up on what's important to God versus what's important to us. See, like when you walk with God, God will speak to you. He'll speak to you through his word. That's precept. He'll speak to you in providence. That's through circumstances. He'll speak to you in tradition. That is through people that care about you. Will he not? And you will hear from God. You will even hear from God from unbelievers because God can put his own word in their mouth and tell you something. Right now, it's important for you to get this. In other words, God won't leave you without witness. But if you're not building your understanding and perception of God on his word, then you will miss God when he speaks. This is why David said, Lord, show me the token. Now, the token is going to always be something that's valuable to God, but virtually everybody else will miss it. In your Bible, the Bible is very clear that our thoughts are not God's thoughts and our ways are not his ways. What that means is you have to be trained in your thinking mechanism 
to be able to understand how God thinks and his word lets you know that. And you have to be trained to lean into with a healthy biblical value system to see what God sees as the grounds of your being able to navigate this dark world. Now, I want you to see it again because he tested them. This is Numbers 13, verse 20. Look at Numbers 13, verse 20. He says, now I want you to go into the land and I want you to determine whether the land is fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. That matters, doesn't it? Now watch this. And be ye not, and be ye of good courage, courage, and bring of the what? And bring of the what? Now why are they bringing of the fruit of the land? To show the people who did not come the character of God's promise to them that he told them way back when he brought them out of Egypt. That God doesn't lie, change, or fail. If he said it, he'll do it. If he declared it, he'll make it good. Now watch this. You and I are called to be able to get a hold of the token and be able to show people here, this here is just a token of what God has for us. Y'all got that? I told you the token. It's always a beautiful symbol, a beautiful uh, 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 metaphor or analogy or some kind of typological pattern of God's greater token to humanity. Under point number one, then, the tokens of what? Victory. The tokens of victory. What do we mean by that? When you look over in verse 23 through 25 of chapter 13, notice what the text says. This is important for you to get. In your own walk. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol, and they cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. You see it? And they bear it upon two, bear it uh, between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel did cut down, and they returned from searching the land after 40 days. They're walking back with clusters of grapes on a big staff, are they not? And we saw the unusual nature of those clusters. Those clusters were massive enough to actually feed the giants in Israel. Remember that? And so they brought these clusters back because these clusters stand for us as a symbol of God's grace in the person of Jesus Christ as the grounds and vouch safe that everything in the land is theirs because the cluster proves it. Here's the proposition. Listen to me carefully. If you have the token, you have the whole thing. If you have the token, you have the whole thing. Help my people get it, oh God. If you have the token, you have the whole thing. Now, God's token to sinners is Jesus Christ. And if you have Christ, you have the whole thing. And without Christ, you have nothing. And that he starts with a cluster of grapes is what you and I learned from Jesus in John 15, 1 and 2. He said, I am the true vine. Well, you don't get a cluster except from a vine. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears fruit, he makes it bear even more. And the ones that don't, he cuts down. Child of God, listen to me. The fruit of the vine is the symbol of God's riches in Christ. It's a symbol, watch this now, of suffering. But it's also a symbol of joy. 
It is a token of the triumph of Christ's righteousness. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Say, we love Jesus anyway.